Hello and welcome to Pro Construction Guide series of ProCast. This episode is about why you might consider buying a franchise construction business. I'm John Gordon. And I'm David Dovel. Hey, thanks for joining us. Pro Construction Guide magazine regularly brings you a new ProCast built exclusively for you, the professional contractor. It's the only podcast for pros hosted by pros with successful contractors as guests. You can listen to any ProCast at ProConstructionGuide.com or iTunes. And look, this time of every episode, we talk a little bit about Pro Construction Guide. And we've been recording these ProCasts now for like 15 months. And thousands of pros are downloading them from the Pro Construction Guide website and from iTunes. The popularity of the ProCast is, is uh, it gets better every week, so every episode. But we want to have a fa- ask a favor from you guys, our listeners. Um, we'd love for more listeners to give ProCasts great ratings on the iTunes thing. Um, we are not the kinds of guys that, hey, talk nice about us, except at our funeral, but because the more positive ratings we get, the higher we go in rankings. And um, that's important to make sure we stay doing these things for you, right? Absolutely. So uh, along with that, I just wanted to tell you how much I've learned during this past year from all of the great guests that we've had. Uh, you should tell your colleagues on the job site to listen to these podcasts, either on iTunes or at our site. The ProCast will only get better the more return listeners we have. There you go. So, look, we're going to get on with the show. Um, say nice things about us and uh, and give us good ratings. But most importantly, listen to what's coming up here next, because in this episode, we're going to talk with Ryan Parsons. And Ryan is a remodeler who's recently started franchising his company's uh, successful concept. And Ryan's going to talk to us about why a professional would consider buying a construction business franchise and um, what are the benefits and what are the challenges. So Ryan's been a guest with us twice before. So he's no stranger to, uh, to us or to you guys. And his other two podcasts, uh, Get Off the Truck and Make More Money, it's our episode number 33, and How to Grow Your Business, our episode number 27, they were both in the top five of our ProCasts downloaded from our website. So, Ryan Parsons, welcome back to Pro Construction Guides uh, ProCasts. And uh, for those of us who might not have listened to others, give us the 30-second uh, bio on Ryan. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Uh, so, my name is Ryan Parsons, and me and my brother, we both are, uh, we own the Brothers That Just Do Gutters, which recently became a franchise. And um, as far as you guys asked me to talk about awards. We're Angie Super Service Award, many years running. We recently got a Corporate Culture Award, which was really cool. And uh, most recently, we just got voted Best Place to Work, which is something we've been really striving wow. towards, because uh, we know you need, you need to be a great place to work to get good people. So there's a, a quick intro, and it's brothersgutters.com or brothersfranchise.com. Awesome. So, look, before we get started um, into this hot and heavy, uh, you know, why would a pro consider buying a franchise? Um, you're franchising something that's been successful, brothers who just do gutter, or gutters. Tell us just a little bit about that, and then because it'll be good to understand that as you start talking about reasons to buy a franchise, right? Yeah, no problem at all. I'll tell you where we came from. And if I get too bogged down in the details, just let me know. We'll say, hey, uh, hey, hey, hey. Started this, huh? I said, we'll, we'll shout at you. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, okay. <laughs> so my brother started this in 1999, and he basically, you know, he was a history teacher, decided not to continue doing that, and went into the gutter business. 
and he worked his tail off. And he did that for three years as an owner-operator. Then I got involved, and we didn't have any clever plan, no marketing budget. We just were two brothers that thought, hey, let's work hard and make some money. It, it didn't start out very glorious. It was just about, you know, working and making some money. And, you know, we, we, we were able to grow a tiny bit and made a ton of mistakes. And as we were growing the company the way that we thought we should, we uh, ended up running right into the recession. And before the recession, we started to expand into, you know, construction and some other things. And, our, you know, we had a good amount of employees, but it was, we were just literally in business to pay employees. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. Yeah. It was really quite a mess. And when the recession hit, it really exposed how how kind of bad our business was at the so time. What, what was and the turning we point from, for you guys? What, what? what was the turning point? Um, yeah. Basically, having the recession hit, we uh-huh. had to close down the construction side of the business, let everyone go. We went down to like one gutter truck, Yikes. and we seriously had to think about how to rebuild this um, this entire thing. And we realized it wasn't our people that failed. It was our systems. We didn't have systems for stuff. We were just throwing guys at, at problems and saying, oh, we, you know, it, it was it was a mess. And if anybody uh, was in business during that time or had to fold during that time or made it through that time, everyone knows this was a, a turning point in, in business. And that's kind of where we were. And then we realized we need to, improve our systems if we we're going to do this right yeah so it was promageddon and um and you guys made it through but you got focused on systems so talk about what came after that you you, you decided you're going to make some improvements in the systems what happened after you improved your systems everything got so much better and uh before i get into that part uh there was a, a book we read we were trying to make systems for stuff, and we were, we were seeing some success, and we read The, the E-Myth yeah. by Michael, Berg, Michael, Gerber, by yep. Michael Gerber, and that basically just really hammered how much systems, the systems are what make people successful. And it seems that in the construction industry, every contractor is, like, granted one superstar, that they just say, man, if everyone was like this guy, I'd, you know, be a millionaire. It'd be so much easier to be in business. And we realized that not every guy is like that. And most guys that you get, they want to do a good job. They just don't think like we want them to think. And we need systems to be put in place to help these guys be successful. So what we did is we just started listening to our guys, listening to our clients. And we wanted to get my brother off of a truck. He was still installing the gutters and we knew we needed to grow. And any business that grows you can't have the owner in the production if you're going to grow the owner has to somehow replace himself in production and really the only way we found is by having really awesome systems and investing in your employees and we basically rebuilt our company Um, every system we implemented was pretty much born out of a complaint from a client i I remember that the days we get a call to the office saying are you kidding me I'm inside my house, and I hear banging on my roof. And I come out, your guys are on the roof. They didn't even knock on the door. It was uh, uh, pretty yeah. awesome. So Hello. now we, uh, <laughs> we call on the way. I mean, yeah. it was simple stuff. Like, just call on the way. Announce yourself. 
knock on the door. We have a script of what they say, how they walk around the job with the client. So it took a long time, and it took probably a year to get all the guys to call every single time. It was week by week. Oh, yeah, we're getting better at it. It, it really takes a long time to get a friend, like a like a systematic model. And uh, so I'll just kind of cut through all that. It was really difficult. And then we uh, we launched our first two test locations in 2010 with our brother-in-laws. Uh, they knew we were working toward the franchise model, and they said, "Yeah, we'll do it." And we we weren't ready. We weren't. We didn't have it perfected. And they were awesome to try and implement everything we were doing. And we kind of worked through that. And it wasn't pretty. wasn't perfect. But we got to where we wanted to get to is where we actually came in 2000. 15, we were officially allowed um, to sell franchises. We had the right documents, and we launched our two first franchises in 2015. All right. Wow, that's a that's a great milestone, and, and congratulations to you guys for that. So, and 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 I get the book too, um, the the E Myth, but and it it sounds like it sounds like the highest calling. Uh, is where you guys ended it, up as well. So it's the kind of same concept. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but but the same thing. You know, you got it. You can't be out there in the field working. You need to be the brains behind the business. Is what's got to happen. So good for you. Um, so hey, hey t- Ryan, tell us uh, what are some of the benefits of a franchise business. Um, what what they should be. Um, uh, a lot of times, one of the biggest benefits right off the bat is the marketing and the brand. A lot of franchises have that honed in so good that immediately it takes, they they expect a different level of professionalism when they see a nice brand. Uh, So I think it gives a homeowner uh, a peace of mind that's like, wow, these people got their stuff together. When a contractor doesn't have a brand, they show up in kind of like a rickety truck or their website doesn't match their business, like all that stuff puts doubt into people's um, minds, and it makes it harder for contractors to get ahead. So marketing and a marketing system, uh, so the website, all that stuff um, is really huge, and that's something that people would uh, um, that love. The other thing that a franchise ben- uh, benefit should have is they should have a tried-and-true system. They should have systems for pretty much everything, from the way you... Um, run your crews to the structure of your business to uh, the seasonality of when you should be advertising which avenues to literally how you should set up your truck for the most efficient way. Uh, there's more there, but you get the picture. Um, you get respect right out of the box. I mean, it was awesome. I think when we first started business, it's like the people could smell it. They knew we didn't have a lot of work. And then we go in cheap trying to get the job, and they only beat us up more, and we take the job anyway. When you have a franchise, out the gate, they kind of feel like, you know what, this is probably going to cost a little more, but I trust this is going to be a great experience. And when you open business, and we got this experience last year, when we opened our first two official franchises, and we went down there for their launch week, and, and we were there when they did their first job, I remember standing, I went out to put out the yard sign, um, for them while they were working. And I turn around, look at the house. I see the truck with the logo, you know, the whole logo truck, the guys in uniform. When I saw them doing the job, it was their very first job. It looked just like any of our crews in our, in, in our other three locations. Like I wouldn't have known 
if you just, you know, if I closed my eyes and opened them and you said, where are you? I'd be like, I don't know, New York, where we work. That's awesome. That was awesome. Day one, they look like a company that's been around for 20 years. So that, I mean, there's like momentum, I guess, is a good thing to say uh, that, that comes with uh, with that as well. So what what do you think? Well, let me say this. There's a lot of stuff out there where people hear franchise, they can kind of cringe a little bit because um, oh, yeah. you can get into some messes, right? So how, how do you, how does somebody in our business know or, or tell us what makes a good franchise business? So one of the things that we've realized, and, and I was guilty of this too, we all think, well, people don't want to do business with a franchise. They want a mom and pop, you know, like franchises are like the big evil guy putting mom and pops out of business. And we say that stuff and we try and make ourselves believe it. And as you're driving down the road and you see, you know, McDonald's, Home Depot, uh, Chili's, Subway, you go, I don't, as much as we want to believe that, it's not true. People just want to go and get something and have an experience that they can predict. Like people go to McDonald's, I don't think for the burgers, but they know exactly what they're going to get. Same with Subway, same with Home Depot. And um, so as far as franchises, they're just honing in on an efficient way to give a customer experience. It's not as much about, like, say you're a carpenter. It's not about having perfect miters and being the best at installing, whatever, crown molding. It's about the experience. Most people don't complain that the guy did a bad job. They complain that he didn't show up, that he was sloppy. His guys, you know, somebody used the bathroom in their house and blew it up. This is the stuff that, like, <laughs> homeowners care about, the experience. And franchises really nail the experience. Uh, so um, I don't even know if I answered your question. but I Well, think we know that you're not of... going to blow up the bathroom. That's kind of important, <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> uh, I thought I'd throw that in there. You know, yeah. yeah, you knew we had to go there. Okay. Literally, literally go there. Okay. Uh, now that we got all that pun out of the way. Um, so, look, some of the things that they should what, – what are some of the things a good uh, franchise should offer you? Um, you talked about marketing. That makes complete sense. What about um, – other ways to do they help with pricing? Do, what um, or maybe what do you guys do? So uh, one of the things that we do is we really concentrate on training the field, the operation side too. I mean, learning how to read the numbers as far as like what numbers are important for your business. What should your gross profit be when you do a job? What do you need to have left over so that you can pay your overhead? So at the end of the day, there's maybe ten or fifteen percent left over. So it all kind of works backwards into a price. So every market can can offer a different price point to get to the goal. So we really help a lot with that. We help with the recruiting. Um, that seems to be the biggest undertaking is to find good help. We have a huge amount of emphasis on a training program so that when you get guys, you can train them and they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, as far as marketing, a lot of support there. One of the coolest things that we did as a franchise is that we actually have a contact center. We answer all the phone calls for every division. So every call comes into the central location. We book every estimate for them, and we book every install. And they, we kind of take that front office admin, you know, having some, paying somebody to sit 40 hours a week in an office, that's expensive. So we've 
all kind of pooled our resources, and now it's like pennies on the dollar that you get awesome admin, and through the really good technology we developed, it's all paperless. So as soon as an estimate gets booked, the person sees it right on their iPad. They just got to go do it, and when they're done, you know, they just hit enter, and it's right back at, you know, central office. So those are a lot of the benefits that we do uh, as far as, like, also monthly meetings, weekly meetings, whatever they need. There's just tons of support to go over their marketing, to go over their revenue per hour. We look at everything so that they know that they're concentrating on the right areas of their business. And where they're weak, we help them become strong. So just, David, I know you got a couple questions. but So it sounds like, just to sum that up real quickly, they should be offering information. Um, they should be offering technology, so leverage the technology that they've got. And then there should be some administrative or kind of support functions, uh, either structure or actual support, that would be some important components of a good franchise. Definitely. And, right. and when, before we became a franchise, we interviewed a ton of franchisees, people that owned a franchise. And one of their biggest complaints was the lack of support after they were launched. Yeah. It was like all of a sudden they're in business and then boom, like no help. So we kind of really made sure we had that function and we didn't want to, we wanted it to be a win-win. So support, is huge. You don't want these people to be thinking they got to figure it out all on their own. That's why they bought a franchise so they don't have to figure it out on their own. Exactly. Got it. <laughs> Which wouldn't doesn't make sense anyway because it cuts into your bottom line too. So if you're not helping, yeah. if they're not making money, it hurts you. So absolutely. That's right. Right. So so what about this? What what type of a contractor would consider buying a franchise or should buy a franchise? All right, so I think there's probably more, but I feel like there's two types that could buy a franchise. So let's just say you have a successful remodeling company, and uh, you concentrate on kitchen and bath. But what you find is that, you know what, you know, I, I can't touch a bath for less than $15,000. I just can't make money at it. And I'm losing a lot of the people that have that five to $10,000 budget. I just can't do anything for them. And I could be speaking out of turn. I don't know a lot about the, the, the bath franchises. So, But let's just say, for example, maybe a bath fitter or a rebath, those guys have a systematic approach to do a $7,000 bathroom and be profitable. Mm-hmm. By going in with their method, you can then gain a piece of the market that you didn't have. So that's one example. And then the benefit of something like that is, they're nationally advertising for you. So when a lead comes into their national site and they're in your area, they give you the lead. So they're also helping you generate business you wouldn't have had. Again, I don't know a lot about them. That's a little speculation. But that would be a good example of a remodeling firm adding a handyman service or adding a rebath to kind of gain a piece of the market they're not good at capturing. And it it emphasizes and helps their current business model. One more perfect example. Um, I'm, I saw an awesome thing. A lot of I, I know a lot of painters, and we have a business coach, and they coach, coach mostly painters. And they all started to buy um, this. It's called Shine Holiday Lighting, and it's a it's a seasonal thing. So when the painters just about lay off all their guys right after it gets cold and they can't do exteriors, what they've done is they buy this holiday lighting franchise. That's a systematic approach to doing holiday lights, and they're able to like increase their revenue in that time, keep their guys longer, and then in the 
after the winter, they actually take all the lights down, too. So it kind of extends their season, adds more revenue, but it doesn't hurt their core business. So that would, I guess, be another good example. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I've okay. seen some electricians do that, too, because then they can add some outlets for them as well. <laughs> Definitely. So then the, the second type um, is the guy who's struggling, uh, the guy that has tried to grow his business many times. He's, he's you know, going up to two crews. He almost had three, and then he couldn't make any money at it, so he scaled back. He just feels like there's got to be a different way. Maybe he needs a partner. He's he's trying. He really, he just can't. It, it's either he doesn't have the, he knows he needs the people but doesn't have the money. He's just caught in that, that death valley where he just can't quite turn the corner. That's a guy that it could should consider a franchise um, to maybe get out of his business or convert it to a franchise. So let's just say a gutter guy in that position, you know, buying our gutter franchise could be a good thing uh, for him. Okay, uh, but hey, just that mindset of wanting to grow is the important part. Who shouldn't consider buying a franchise, Ryan? Uh, someone who's really independent. There's people that they just think their way is the best, and, you know, they have a stay small, keep it all mentality. Um, they just want to pick and choose, like, you know what, I like that. I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to do that. Somebody who's like a true entrepreneur that's always looking for the next big deal, this is not for them. That makes sense. So some of the things that a pro needs to know or that they need to do before they consider buying a franchise, what, what points would you offer for that? They really need to know that it's, you're going to work your tail off. Just because you buy a system that's proven, it, and uh, a lot of people think, well, it's turnkey. And uh, somebody told me a long time ago, yeah, it's turnkey, but you've got to turn that key every day. <laughs> so people got to know that there's so much hard work. You're going to work just as hard as you are in your business. It's that your goal is going to be set right before you. You're going to know what you're working for, and someone's going to help you get there. Um, that's kind of the biggest difference. It's going to be, you're going to work your tail off. All right. Very good. Uh, so what are some of the challenges that can be associated with owning a franchise? A challenge is you have a, you have a, a new level of accountability. You have people that expect you to hit benchmarks. You know, they know what you, when you should add a crew. They know how much you, you're going to have somebody telling you you need to spend 5% in advertising, and you're going to be paying fees. You know, they, they, they're not doing this for free. They want a percentage of the business because they know they can help you scale it. So um, some people, the wrong person, thinks of it as rules. The right person thinks how great these guidelines are that help me be successful. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm going to ask the dumb question, Ryan, but I got to ask it. What Any idea what a contractor could expect to pay for a construction franchise? Um, anywhere between five and $50,000, depending yeah. on what you're looking for. There's some really uh, inexpensive ones that it's kind of more like owning a job. They're kind of selling you a system of a job. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's ones that you know are very robust and you're getting a lot of service. But really, all in, I'd say $100,000, uh, give or take, uh, after getting all the equipment and scaling up, uh, you could definitely get as high as, you know, in, in, as $100,000, and then they can expect to pay anywhere between 6% and maybe 16% royalty. So if they do a million dollars a year, um, 
6000 to, well, I'm sorry, my math is terrible. We'll just say they can expect to pay the franchise 6 to 16% of that million for the franchise model. Got it. Okay. Um, so uh, upfront fee, probably some investment in equipment, some things like that, and then an ongoing investment or payment of uh, royalties. Uh, and it's typically a function of either revenue or profit. Yes. It's, okay. Yeah, most of the time it's revenue. revenue. Yeah. Some goes okay. to marketing, some goes to royalties, some can go to a contact center. They're all different, but okay. you're going to pay some sort of percent. Got it. Right. So so what happens if a contractor decides that the franchise business, business isn't for him? Um, they can sell it. Um, there's normally just a small transfer fee that the franchise the franchise gets. And he can, you know, if it's worth a million dollars, you can get a million dollars for it. If he just can't follow the systems, the franchisor might ask them to leave. There's a lot of parameters, and sometimes the franchise will actually buy it back from them. So there's a lot of different arrangements in the FDD on what methods. So they have options. It's always good to know, really. Probably good to know that up front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that you want to think failure, but you, you want to know what, what it all looks like. That makes sense. So, look, we've got a bunch of, um, of good folks listening to us. And I always ask our guests, and Ryan, you know this, if you could sum like three main points about buying a franchise that you want our listeners to take away from this procast, what, what three things would you tell them? Don't get caught up necessarily in what the franchise does. You don't have to love gutters or love painting to buy a painting franchise. You want to buy a business system that can get you towards your personal goal that you think can work. So a long point, but it's not necessarily always about what the franchise is. It's about, you know, the business system. Um, The second point is look for something that has a proven record. And the third point I'd say is it is hard work going it alone and it's just as hard doing a franchise so if you're going to have a successful business you're going to invest some blood sweat tears and money and you can do that on your own or you can do it with a franchise and the odds are with a franchise and the systems the likelihood of success is is for the right individual a little bit better yeah it's much higher definitely Ryan, you have been awesome. Again, let's get this one in the top five. <laughs> so if you want to learn. Thanks. I really appreciate being uh, on here. It is, it is great, and, it, and, and we could probably go for hours, but probably shouldn't. Um, but, look, if you want to learn more about Ryan and the brothers that just do gutters, you can visit the website at brothersgutters.com. And now the franchise information is where, Ryan? Brothersfranchise.com. Okay. Easy to follow. Brothersgutters.com, brothersfranchise.com. So uh, awesome information, awesome partnership. Share this podcast. David, it's time for us to dig into the spare parts box. It is. And uh, this week, I'll take it. Um, uh, was, uh, I had a conversation this past week about something that I had seen uh, a while back, and I haven't heard much about them uh, lately, but I think they're uh, starting to come on strong, and they're, they're, they're pop-up outlets um, and this happened. Uh, this 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 happened to come into a conversation. Uh, we're getting ready to do an estimate on a kitchen, and the island, uh, the designer wants to do away with the raised bar portion of of the island, and they want to get it down at countertop level, so at 36 inches. And I, 
I just made the point to him. I said, hey, beware that when you do this, you have no place for receptacles now um, or your switches because the dispose all, the sink is in this island, the dispose all, and, of course, a dishwasher. Um, so, of course, you can eliminate a, a switch in the wall. You can use an air switch, which they can mount right beside the sink. Uh, it's the same thing that they use on uh, jacuzzi tubs or, or, or bubble tubs. Um, jetted tubs. Garbage I'll, disposals now require them in some states. As yeah, code. absolutely. Yeah. And it's just a little box that fits underneath the uh, sink that actually has a tube, and it just it's just air. So it just pushes air that actuates a switch underneath the sink, turns it on, turns it off. But they also have pop-up outlets or receptacles. Um, so that eliminates the need. Now, you have to plan for this because if you have drawers or whatnot in the cabinet, they have to be cut short. Uh, you, have to, you have to do something... To, to, to make this happen, you can actually make the countertop deeper and have a void uh, behind the cabinets where you would mount these outlets. But essentially, you push down on the outlet, it pops up, and it gives you a three-gang or three gang or a two-gang um, uh, outlets at your, at your disposal or at your fingertips. And, and there you go, man. It's pretty cool. There's all different types. They have them that disappear in walls as well. And surprising enough, they're really they're not that expensive. Most of these are not hardwired, by the way. They're, uh, they have a cord with a, with a three-pronged plug, and you actually mount a receptacle underneath that's accessible uh, for future service, but these actually plug in uh, to those. So pretty cool, pretty neat uh, 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 deal, and it, uh, it opens, up, opens up a lot more design possibilities. Cool. That sounds awesome. All right, so there you have it. Not exactly laying around the toolbox, but an awesome idea, so we thought we'd bring it to you. Now, if you would like to listen to, well, you're listening to this podcast, but if you want to share this podcast, please visit us at www.proconstructionguide.com. Hey, if you haven't gotten your copy of Pro Construction Guide, then visit the Home Depot closest to you. They'll have copies at the Pro Desk. If you've got any feedback for us, give us a call at 866 647 2346. Leave a message. We really do want to hear your thoughts. We'll see you in our next episode of Pro Construction Guide Magazine's Procast Podcasts. We hope that you'll make us a valuable tool in your toolbox.